This program is sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ. There's a message true and glad for the sinful and the sad. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. It will give them courage new. It will help them to be true. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring out. Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to another episode of Redeeming the Time. I'm your host, Chris Macy, and I am the minister here with the North Valley Church of Christ. Well, it's another day. It's been pretty windy out there, but I think the weather is supposed to be a little cooler these next few days, so that's a good thing. Now, of course, uh, our governor, Doug Ducey, has uh, put in another stipulation about wearing uh, masks and closing certain businesses as we were trying to grapple with and get control of and ahead of this virus. So let's continue to pray about that, that people are safe. Uh, No, it can be frustrating, and um, I'm frustrated too. We just want this to all go away, but things, these things aren't going away, and we have to learn how to deal with them and deal with them correctly. But I'm not going to get into that today. I want you to open, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to James chapter 3. We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 12 here in just a moment. This is the, the passage about the tongue being a fire. You know, I, actually, let's, let's start by reading the passage. I want to read, starting in James 3, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> James writes, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire? And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race. But no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. I heard a story of a man who, he worked at a a, a produce department in a grocery store. And this woman came up. She was uh, looking to buy a half a head of lettuce. I I guess it was a bad day for this uh, clerk at the grocery store. He replied kind of sarcastically, a head, a half a head. Are you serious? God grows these in whole heads, and that's how we sell them. Well, the lady wasn't frustrated. She just said, you know, I've been shopping here for years, and all I want to do is get half a head of lettuce. So the man said, fine, 
I tell you what, I'll go look for the manager. And he walked off kind of in a huff to go look for the manager. She simply indicated she would appreciate that. So the man marched his way to find the manager. He found him. He said, you won't believe this, but there is a lame brain of a lady back here who wants to know if she can buy a half a head of lettuce. As he was saying that, he noticed the manager was trying to subtly stop his outburst. This, he turned around to see that the lady had been standing behind him. She, she had walked with him. He didn't know. But without skipping a beat, that worker said to the manager, and this nice lady was wondering if she could buy the other half of the head of lettuce. Oh, how our tongues can get us in trouble. I remember my mom once saying, think before you speak. You know, we speak thousands of words every day. Uh, some say, I look online, some say it's 25,000, others say it's 40,000. That's a lot of opportunity for us to say the wrong thing. Communication, that is the process of expressing how we feel and what we think. You know, on the one hand, the words we use can confuse and embarrass and hurt. On the other hand, the words we use have the power to heal and help encourage and teach. Uh, on one occasion, a, a well-known sports writer was analyzing this fine that had been levied against a famous baseball manager who had verbally, uh, I don't know, chewed out the baseball commissioner or something. But the sports writer defended the manager. He said, quote, After all, they were just words. End quote. Just words. Folks, there's, there's no such thing as just words. Words are powerful. Saying they were just words, I, I, in my mind, that's ridiculous. I remember that saying as a kid, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I, I remember saying that. But that's not true. Words hurt. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will break my heart. They can. Our words have such power and they carry such weight. And that's why the Bible gives us so much guidance and so many warnings about our communication. Consider for a moment how many times the Bible uses the words tongue or talk, speech, speak, uh, lips, mouth, and words. When you add up all of them, when you look at them, you add them up, it, the Bible mentions communication in some form like that over 2,500 times. And so with the subject of our communication being addressed so often in the Bible, we can expect some powerful and helpful commands and warnings. Here's a, a few from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Proverbs 21.23, He who guards his mouth and his tongue guards his soul from troubles. I like that. Proverbs 10:19. When there are many words, transgression is unavoidable, but he who restrains his lips is wise. Proverbs 17:28. Even a fool when he keeps silent is considered wise, when he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. Proverbs 25:11 Like apples of gold in settings of silver is a word spoken in right circumstances. Those are some simple but powerful truths about learning to be wisely learning to wisely control our tongue. And I, those are good 
verses to commit to memory as well. You know, when James, the half-brother of Jesus, when he wrote this letter, he pointed out how central the tongue is to our overall lives. He starts the, the letter out there in chapter 1, verse 26, in this particular topic, when he says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious and yet does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is worthless. Man, worthless. If you and I are serious about walking with God and serving him, then priority number one must be speaking life. Words that heal and not hurt. What James is saying is that if we don't properly use our tongue, then what good is your religion? It's worthless. It's of no value. Why bother? Right? That's a strong statement. He wants to drive home how serious this is. He wants us to understand how destructive and how nullifying the tongue can be. Now, the negative influence of the tongue can undo and override an otherwise godly life. Later, he says in James 3, 2, we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. The tongue is, is everything in our lives. It, it speaks of who we are. And so if we can master the use of the tongue, we can master everything else, right? But lest we think that this will be a, an easy undertaking, James is going to go on to describe why taming the tongue is so challenging. And so I want us to spend a few minutes to consider a couple of points that James makes here about the tongue. There's three of them. And he starts off, uh, when he talks to, talking about the tongue is small, but powerful. And he illustrates that in three ways. He reminds us, number one, of the fact that very large horses are controlled by a very small bit. Horses are incredibly powerful, many of them weighing about 2,000 pounds. Uh, Even a small child can control and direct a horse by the, the small bit that's placed in a horse's mouth and is connected to the reins. The secret of the bit is in the fact that it's placed in the horse's most sensitive places. I know whenever I'm wrestling with my kids, there was one time when one of the kids got his finger in my mouth and pulled. and it was, I mean, I just went right along with it. That hurt. That's the principle of the bit. The second word picture that he illustrates with this, uh, this point with is with the large ship being steered by a very small rudder. If you've ever been in the Navy, you know about naval ships, or maybe you were on a cruise ship. You know, those are like floating cities, thousands and thousands of tens of thousands of pounds, and yet they're steered by this small rudder compared to the size of the boat or the ship. It's amazing when you think about what those little rudders can do. And then the third picture, we all know this well, how a small spark can start a, a large fire. Here in Arizona, we, we're seeing fires all over the place up here in the Cave Creek area. And then out there uh, off the Beeline Highway and other places, and California last year was pretty bad, very bad. And how did these things start? Well, somebody throws a cigarette out the window or a dragging a chain behind a car or lightning strike. Small little fire begins it, but what a destructive power. Only a spark. And the point that James wants to get across is that the tongue is only a small part of the body, but man, it causes all kinds of trouble, does it not? All kinds of trouble. And then he goes from there saying that the tongue is uncontrollably dangerous. 
He does this by returning to the illustration of the fire. It only takes a small spark. But once a fire gets going, it is almost impossible to stop. I remember, I don't know when this was, but I read about a fire in Northern California. It burned over 14,000 acres, and it took 1,350 firefighters to put the blaze out. James mentions the fact that we have tamed so many kinds of wild animals. We enjoy seeing them. We go to the zoo, tigers, elephants, things like that. But he says we can tame them, but no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil. It is full of deadly poison, like, like a snake, right? It is uncontrollably dangerous. It can set the whole course of a person's life on fire, or the world. It can destroy reputations, families, and futures. The tongue. Look, look at our world right now. People just say something. It sets a whole group on edge. They take it the wrong way. Be careful what you say. It can destroy you. Remember these uh, famous words from George Herbert Bush back in the, the 80s? Read my lips. No new taxes. And there goes his presidency. Gone for his second term. Not going to make it. Doesn't take much. Doesn't take much. The third pronouncement that James makes about the tongue is that it is terribly inconsistent. That's, this is from James 3, verses 9 through 10. You know, how tragic, how tragic is it that we can be using our tongue to praise God in worship, and then 10 minutes later, maybe using the tongue to demoralize our children as we drive home, or we can be criticizing or gossiping about someone in the congregation. Our tongues are terribly inconsistent, aren't they? And so James declares, my brothers, this ought not to be so. And then he asks a couple of rhetorical questions there in verses 11 and 12. And the answer to those questions are obvious. If a, a, a fountain or a spring yields salt water, it will always be salt water. If you have a fig tree, it will always produce fig trees. Apple trees don't bear oranges and vice versa. His challenge for us is to be more consistent with our tongue. Be more consistent. If we're going to be God's people, then the output or the fruit of our tongues should consistently be godly and good. And so these are James's pronouncements about the tongue. And I think we all would agree that our experience is consistent with his assessment. When he first said, the tongue is small but powerful. True. So very true. I, you know, for example, uh, those of you who are married, you've been married for a while. Uh, I've been married for uh, coming up on 15 years now, soon. I, If I wanted to, I know exactly what to say to tear my wife down. If I wanted, if I wanted. I don't want to do that. But I know the words I could say. I know the words I could say to tear down my brothers. I know the words I could say to dis- dishearten and dispirit my children. And certain friends of mine, I know them well enough, I know exactly what I could say to ruin their day, their week, their lives. The tongue is small, but powerful. Second, the tongue is uncontrollably dangerous. You ever find yourself you know, 
trying to justify your words? Have you ever done that? Even even after a word, when you think about it, you're like, man, that was the wrong thing to say, but man, I can't take it back now. I don't want to lose. And we just keep piling it on. I, I see people do that in debates or on TV or in the news and where they'll say something just ridiculous. And, and it, it, surely they know, I think, but they just keep piling it on. Uncontrollably dangerous. They just don't stop. Even though all the destruction it's causing, they don't stop. You know, I'm seeing that in the news right now. The news media, I think, is propagating, and this is my opinion, I know, but I think they're propagating the riots and the, the arsony and the criminal element. They just keep doing it. I don't understand. The tongue is small but powerful. The tongue is uncontrollably dangerous. And third, the tongue is terribly inconsistent. I've seen that out there in the world, too, right now. Very inconsistent. How should we respond to this reality? How should we? Should we give up? Give in to the negative power of the tongue? Well, of course not. Of course not. God wants us to learn to tame the tongue. And with his help, we can. Why else would God give so many commands in other parts of the Bible about proper speech if there was not the possibility that we can learn to control the tongue? So, working toward having a transformed tongue must be a top priority for all of us who want to please God. Now, there is uh, this problem. Many of us may have become insensitive to the problem of destructive speech. True. It's like that frog in the kettle, right? Who doesn't realize that the heat is being slowly turned up until it is too late. His nerve endings become desensitized in, in the heated water. And so like the frog, we too can numb our spiritual nerve endings. And I know that's true. I know it. You know how I know that? I've tested it on my kids. No, I wasn't trying to boil my kids. But I remember uh, when they were younger, I would get the bath water ready for them. It would already be up, and they would go to get in there. And they would always say, as soon as they put their toes in, Oh, it's too hot. I can't get in it. Yeah, it's too hot. It's not too hot. Get in the water. I always had a fight with them. But if I can get them in the tub and then turn on the water, and as it rises up and it slowly rises up and slowly begins to warm up, gets the temperature we want, they never complain about it. Same temperature, didn't change a thing. Why? It slowly brought it up. And so like that, you know, our, our spiritual nerve ending can get numb because we slowly introduce these things to ourselves. So by making careless and sinful communication an acceptable part of our lives, we assume that the carnal tongue is just par for the spiritual course. And when that happens, when that happens, our church home, our, our school, our home uh, with our family, our workplace, our friendships, even our relationship with God, all of that will be victimized. Sins like deceit, lying, and false witness need to be understood from God's point of view. Social sins of the tongue, such as gossip and slander, those things need to be held in check. Those uh, verbal ego trips that we sometimes have are the boasting, the flattery, the exaggeration, all clearly out of bounds. And the cancer of murmuring and the contentious tongue, those things need to be silenced. And certainly, certainly the expletives that violate the dignity of God's name and moral purity must be deleted. And so... In this series, I started this on Sunday morning. In this series, I want, I hope that a study of the truths about these 
the specific sins of the tongue, I want them to revitalize our nerve endings. Being resensitized by God's word will only, well, not only, it will be a giant step toward a, a transformed tongue. And so I hope all the folks here at North Valley and anyone out there listening will accept the challenge of learning to speak life. But you might be wondering, how do I begin? Where do I start? As a place to begin, let me offer a few things that I find helpful. Number one, and, and always, it, it, if you ever heard me speak, and, and especially on things like this, and I say, all right, here's where we start. If you want to make things right, or if you want to get on the right track in, in following after God and walking the, the godly life, number one thing to do, always, prayer. Ask God for help. Begin by confessing to God you know, what your problem may be whatever with the tongue, whatever it might be. You know. If you're honest with yourself, make that list. Write it out. You know. And then throughout the day, pray for the ability to tame the tongue, especially in the challenging moments of communication that we might find ourselves in. Whether whether it's a frustrating moment with your wife, husband, or your kids. Uh, maybe it's a temp- tempting moment when we might gossip or make fun of somebody or put them down. Whatever the moment, whatever the moment, Pray before we speak. Pray before we speak. Number two, I would suggest be slow to speak. Now, I'm playing off of James's uh, point from James chapter 1, verse 19, when he talks about be slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, there he's talking about man toward the word of God, but you can also say that about man toward man. Now, he's not, that's not what James is talking about, but that is true, right? We don't want to be angry at our fellow uh, brothers and sisters or our fellow man. We don't want to uh, talk before we think. And so be slow to speak. That's a huge step in bringing the tongue under control. Speaking life is just developing the habit of slowing down the response. If we could delay or hesitate for a moment, it will give us time to pray and a second to weigh our words. Think before you speak. Put your brain in gear before you put your tongue in gear. I, I like this acrostic word. Somebody came up with think, T-H-I-N-K, think. T, is it true, what you say? H, is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Think, T-H-I-N-K, think. There was this woman I read about, and she had a serious throat condition, and, and the doctor told her she had to rest her vocal cords for six months. Could you imagine that? Six months, no talking. Can you do that? I don't think I could. But she, uh, she did. She man- managed to do it. For six months, all her communication was on paper. And she was asked uh, what it was like to communicate only in writing like that. And she said, you'd be surprised how many notes I crumpled up and threw into the trash before I gave them to anyone. Seeing my words on paper had an effect on me that I do not think I will ever forget. Good for her. Good for her. In an age... When we do a lot of communication by text or email, we need to be slow on hitting that send button. Weigh our words. Read through it. Think about what you're saying. When we're out there and there's a protest or you're watching the news or whatever it may be, stop and think. Think. A third thing I would suggest is to have heart surgery, if necessary. Jesus taught throughout the Gospels, you know, that from the heart, that's what the mouth speaks. 
If we don't want awful stuff to come out of our mouths, then we need God's help to get the awful stuff out of our hearts. That's dying to self, folks, and living for Christ. That's that heart surgery. Jesus specializes in that. And I would suggest that we remember that we will meet our words in the judgment. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 36 and 37. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they shall give an accounting for it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Thank God for his grace, right? And thank him for his assistance in taming the tongue. Man, it's my prayer that every one of us will learn to use our tongue for good and not evil. The tongue has the power of life and death. I pray we, we, we learn to only speak life. What has changed in our society? Why do people just spout things out so often without thinking? They just ramble it on out there. They don't think. I think, it's my belief, that one of the reasons, and I think it's a big reason, one of the reasons is that people don't write anymore. I don't mean like write articles for other people to read. I'm talking about writing in a journal. That's what us guys do. We write journals. Girls write diaries, right? Boys write journals. And those things are meant for just you. Your thoughts for you to examine and to think about. Back in the day, like the 1800s, 1900, early 1900s, people did that all the time. A lot of writing. They had time to stop and think. And I think they learned to stop and think before they spoke. They learned that because of those things. Folks, we need to get back to that. It will help us to think. Pray for this. Pray for our country that we will get on the right track, that we'll see the errors of our way and do right and move away from the terrible things going on and perhaps maybe unite. Pray for that, that the Lord will assist us in that. But we need to stand up. We need to stand up. Thank you, and may the Lord bless you in what you do and all that you do. Thank you, and goodbye. Sitting up to sweep away till shut on the better day. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. Till the sinful world be one for Jehovah's mighty son. Ring it out. Ring it out. Ring it out. This program was sponsored by North Valley Church of Christ.